This is Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arikoglu, and with me, as always, is my co-host Meredith Carey. Hello. Last March, we launched a new series called I Deserve This, a space for us to explore all the conflicting emotions we feel when it comes to spending our time and money on travel. We were super excited about it, and then about one week later, the whole world shut down. And so we decided to put those conversations on hold. But as you might have noticed late last summer, we've been quietly bringing it back and we are thrilled to dedicate this episode to I Deserve This with today's guest, Baba Rivera, a New York-based entrepreneur and founder of clean hair care brand, Ceremonia. Thanks for joining us, Baba. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I feel like this is a question we're asking a lot of people, but what did travel look like in your life in 2019? and early 2020. And what does it look like for you now? Well, funny you ask. It's definitely a big difference. In 2019, I was traveling every month. I used to travel a lot for work and would go to Sweden every other month and and Europe in general. And I think my last trip before the pandemic hit was actually a very long trip. I went for three weeks to Europe. Um, I went to Stockholm for work and then to Copenhagen for fashion week. And then I went to Paris for Hermes, who was launching their their first um, makeup product. And yeah, it was this like long work trip. And I remember complaining about it at the time. Oh, it's so long. I'm going to be gone for three weeks. And then earlier this year, when it was like the anniversary of the trip, I started looking at photos and I almost like started to cry because I would kill to be on that trip again. So I was actually starting to get on a bit of um, a new sort of chapter in, I don't know if it was in my life or more like just a new commitment to sustainability. I remember questioning my lifestyle a lot and being like, why do I need to be on a plane this often? And it just doesn't feel sustainable. And part of me being on that trip for three weeks in a row was that I was trying to be more sustainable and bundling work assignments instead of going you know, back and forth, which I would have done just in 2019. Um, so I think coming back from that trip, I remember sort of committing to myself that I will try to travel less and travel with more intention and rather be gone for longer at a time and sort of hit many purposes in one trip and and, and try to cut down on these sort of irresponsible, you know, one-off, two days here, one day there, back and forth. You know, this past year has been a big year for you and you launched your clean hair brand ceremonia in November. Pandemic aside which I know is hard to think about. Um, how different has launching a business been than what you expected? So I launched my first business. It was a brand marketing agency uh, by Baba three and a half years ago now. And I think at that time, it was sort of like relying on your community was a given. And I feel like I gained a lot of my first clients and my reputation by attending seminars and like hosting sort of like executive breakfasts. And it was so like ERL and really relying on my network and my community. So when launching Ceremonia now, 
three and a half months ago. And it was very different. You know, we didn't get to have a launch party. Not that in the grand scheme of things, a launch party is the last thing that we should be crying over. But just to put it in perspective, it's hard to really give yourself those moments of celebration when you're just sitting alone, not even with your team in a little room in your in your house like so i think that's been the biggest difference is finding moments of celebration in this new time that feels so temporarily but it's been going on for so long so i think if there is one thing i would do differently is to make sure to celebrate the wins along the way and not sort of postpone happiness i think i have been constantly thinking that this will soon be over so we will have our launch party then or we'll have our team gathering then and I think I am now starting to feel like I should just celebrate all those wins and and do all those team things with the resources that we have right now um, regardless. I think what you said about how you know, not having a launch party or a celebration is not the biggest problem in the world. And I think that's been something that a lot of people have been wrestling with when it comes to finding moments of joy and and celebration, because it feels impossible to do that when the whole world is so sad. But it's also if you deprive yourself of that, it's like, to what end? Like, who benefits from you not having that and not allowing yourself those moments of happiness? That is so true. Actually, my my therapist always reminds me, she's like, no one is thanking you for struggling. No one is thanking you for being sad. No one is like giving you a trophy for being like guilty. <laughs> like it's total waste of energy. Yeah, I feel like that needs to be all of our mantra right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but back to Ceremonia, you know, the story is so tied to your personal life experiences and identity why did it feel like the right time to launch it now? And, you know, talk a little bit about the process behind how you kind of formulated the idea. Yeah, so ceremonia is really something that I I think I've subconsciously been working on for so much longer than I'm realizing. I am a Swedish Latina, which basically, I don't think that's a real term. I just sort of claim that as my (laughs) intro, but it feels very accurate to who I am because I grew up in Sweden, but both my parents are from Chile. So I grew up in this like very Latin household. My parents only speak Spanish and they still don't speak a word of Swedish or English. Um, And so I grew up with, you know, these two cultures. I feel very Swedish and very Chilean at the same time. And growing up in a homogenous country like Sweden, I just got very accustomed to being the outsider and like just being different. I never saw myself represented in the teachers, in my, you know, friends at school, in the media, the products I consumed, like forget it. Like I I just never saw myself represented in any sort of aspect of my life growing up in Sweden. And the sad part about it is that it came to a point where I didn't even expect to see myself represented. I just normalized being different and sort of like assimilating to a world that was created by people that look differently from me and have different uh, privileges than I had. Um, and I think when I moved to the US, it was the first time that I sort of like realized how many 
people that are just like me. And I found so much inspiration and purpose in meeting with so many other Latinas who, just like me, grew up in a foreign country and have sort of a double identity. In this case, a lot of my Latina friends in the US, they, they feel very American, they speak you know English perfectly, but they also have very strong connection to their Latin roots. And that was the first time that I realized that I am not the only one. And in my professional life, I just started to get very curious about, you know, who are we? Like, who is this Latin demographic and what role are we playing in the U.S. economy? And after some extensive research, I just was so amazed by the numbers and the the fact that the Latinx demographic in the U.S. is so extremely powerful and it really is shaping the economy of tomorrow. And yet there is still no representation of us. So I sort of took all of that, I guess, frustration that has been living inside of me subconsciously and turned that into a passion and filled myself with the purpose of being that representation that I wish I would have seen growing up. And um, I knew I wanted to start a new company. I am an entrepreneur at heart. I've always you know, known that since I was eight years old. So when I was ideating my next venture, it was very clear to me that I wanted to do something that really celebrated the richness of the Latin culture. And at the same time, really broadening the heritage of Latinx and bringing it into mainstream media. So I didn't want to create something that was, you know, by Latinas, for Latinas only. I I wanted to create something that found its inspiration in the Latinx heritage and brought it to the world. So that's how Ceremonia was born. And Ceremonia is a clean hair care brand that is rooted in Latinx heritage. And we source all of our natural ingredients from different parts of Latin America. We feature Latina models. We work with Latinx photographers. We highlight Latinx artists on our Instagram. That's sort of such a big part of our mission, but we're not exclusive. A blonde girl can still enjoy our hair products and they will do wonders to her hair. It doesn't feel like a sort of coincidence that you ended up focusing on a hair care brand. You know, when we spoke to you back in the fall, you talked about how you know, you grew up in a in an environment where self-care was really prioritized and looking after yourself was seen as very positive. Um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. I guess I didn't realize until like being an adult that the way I grew up is not the norm. <laughs> um, my My dad is actually a hairdresser, but he was never able to get a job in the field uh, in Sweden due to the language barrier. So he would practice his passion for hair at home with his daughter, aka me, who just had really long hair to play with. So he would braid my hair for hours and then all my friends would come and be so jealous of my braids. So then he would braid their hair and he would cut my cousin's hair and our aunts and uncles. So, you know, we always had social gatherings in our home around this like hairdresser chair that my dad had in the living room because truth be told we didn't have a ton of furniture like we just grew up very very humble and my dad's passion to hair became part of the interior design (laughs) Um, and simultaneously I think someone that has really inspired my sort of approach to beauty is my mom 
because my mom is the most sort of natural woman you will ever meet. She never wears any makeup. She doesn't style her hair. She she doesn't even care about clothes or anything. She really cares about nurturing her skin and her hair and her soul. For her, beauty rituals are really a form of self-love and she really instilled that in me from an early age. I will never feel guilty for taking a long bath or always having perfect nails or, you know, doing a hair mask. That to me is is a given. It's it's a form of self-love and I practice that without needing an occasion. I want to know about this entrepreneurial effort you were doing at 8 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so because I was the only one in the family who sort of integrated into the Swedish culture, I became sort of the gateway to Sweden for my parents. I would go to the bank with my dad and translate. Um, And my dad, at my wedding, actually, my dad had this really sweet speech where he said that he had to work for my uh, translating services and they were not a given. I would negotiate with him that I needed, you know, my favorite fika, aka a cupcake and hot chocolate. And then I would also not do the service first and then get the the payment, aka the pastry. I, I needed the, the pastry <laughs> upfront. <laughs> so it, it sort of became my little business where I would just, you know, get what I wanted and then translate for my parents. I God, love I love that. it. At eight, you knew your worth. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, entrepreneurship and travel are such an important part of your identity, as is being Latina and Swedish. And now you've added mom to the mix. What has it been like getting to know and sorting through all these different parts of who you are now in March 2021? Motherhood has been so... I can't find the words because it's it's beautiful, fantastic, overpowering, overwhelming, hard, fun. It's everything. And... I was so scared of entering this phase. Um, I have for the longest time have very severe pregnancy and birth giving fears to the point where I didn't actually know if this would ever happen for me because I was just so scared and started to think about maybe just not being pregnant ever. Um, And I think therefore I feel extremely proud. Sometimes I look at my daughter and I'm like, I did it. It doesn't matter anything from here on. I have my daughter and like the two of us, I mean, obviously my husband too, but (laughs) my daughter and I are just always going to be a team. And yeah, I, I think overcoming those fears have been extremely empowering for me. I attribute that a lot to just entering a much more holistic approach with my life. I started thinking about my health differently. I tapped into my spirituality. Yeah, just got in touch with myself much more. And I think as I started to connect with my inner self more, I gained much more confidence in myself too and my natural power. Um, So it feels crazy to think today that I had, you know, such a enjoyable pregnancy and 
had an unmedicated birth. Like, I think if I would have told that to my younger self, I would have laughed and been like, <laughs> fake news. Um, <laughs> so that feels, I feel extremely proud. And, and that's not to say that there is a right or wrong way to give birth. I think it's just like the journey that I have been on from this, you know, extreme fear to just embracing everything from within. Um, however, now having the baby here in this world sets a new sets of challenges for for me. And I think the biggest aha moment for me has been the level of how touchy of a topic motherhood is. It's a very triggering topic. I think I really feel strongly like that my purpose on this earth is to help women dismantle limiting beliefs and really break stereotypes and doing so in a career setting or you know being an advocate for entrepreneurship has been a very smooth ride and then now adding being a working mom into the mix has has really brought up a lot of feelings for people and it's interesting I, I really I love to have conversations around motherhood on my platforms because it really keeps opening my eyes to the fact that we still are so far from equality. And it's a constant reminder how women are constantly told that they have to choose between family or career. And when you try to do both, you sort of have to constantly explain yourself. And I just find it fascinating because no one is asking my husband how he's doing both or um, if he's, isn't he worried that he's not going to be a present dad or like no one is telling him that he can't be great at his job and be a great dad. But I get to hear that all the time. And, and the sad part is that I get to hear it mostly from other moms who basically will tell me that I see that you're a working mom, but... I just made the decision for my family because I love my kids too much to not work because I want to be there for them. I want to be present. And and it's just interesting how we still feel like there has to be one way or the other. And I think for me, I, I don't really care how someone else wants to mother. I, I just want women to feel like they, they have the choice. Um, and, and you can make whichever choice you want to be a stay-at-home mom or to be a working mom or God knows how you want a mother. But I just want women to feel empowered to make that choice for themselves. You're very engaged in the comments on Instagram and sort of keeping a dialogue going, which... I uh, really appreciate and really as a follower really like enjoy and also just as a young woman who has things like motherhood on her mind you know being in my early 30s like it it's helpful it's great to see these conversations but I imagine it's must be quite tough to engage with people who are being judgmental or sort of casting assertions over the way you're leading your life and you know how how do you approach those conversations how do you and also how do you not let it get to yourself yeah I would say the motherhood one is definitely the hardest I feel like with anything else I always you know encounter I have 150,000 followers obviously not everyone is going to be of the same belief so it's part of the game but I, it doesn't get to me as much when it's about entrepreneurship or about what clothes I'm wearing or, you know, like, I don't care. With motherhood, it's an active training for me to not let it get to me. I will admit that. And at the same time, I 
find it to be my responsibility to have these conversations because it's not about me telling people how it's done or what's right or what's wrong. It's about having these conversations in the first place and dismantling what's behind them. So I normally just try to like meet people vulnerably and like I, I rarely get into an argument about like you're wrong, like this is how it is. For me, it's more interesting to to just have a conversation or, or remind them that I'm not preaching for one or the other. I'm just sharing how I am doing it. And I really want women to be celebrated for whatever choice they're making that's right for them and their family. Actually, nine out of 10 times, those conversations end up in a place where we both learn something. I get reminded that we live in America where there is no support from others. Um, I come from Sweden, so sometimes I forget how the system is just so incredibly broken in the US and it really, really punishes women first and foremost. So I think for some of these women who are in situations where they just feel like the system has failed them, it's hard to look at someone like me being like, you can work and be a mom. Like I can see how that can be triggering. So I think I just have to remind myself that everyone is living in their own reality and be respectful of that. And, and simultaneously, I sort of ask my followers to be respectful back. Um, and I think when we can have that dialogue from, you know, from a vulnerable place and with respect and not judgment, it's very, very powerful. And I, I feel actually super grateful for those conversations. I feel like I always learn something new. So, you know, talking about being from Sweden and having to learn how the US works, that's something as an English person, I very much relate to. And, you know, you've launched a business and had a child here in the past year. And it isn't the country that you grew up in. How have you been managing homesickness and being away for so long when these two huge milestones have taken place? Yeah, the homesickness got real during pregnancy. You go through so many emotions and I feel like you start to really reflect on your own childhood and you start to see your own mother from a different lens. I think for me, I just started to finally realize all the sacrifices my mom made and how hard it must have been for her and how teenage Baba was so ungrateful and it just made me want to like just hug her and so I definitely felt really homesick during pregnancy and I think the combination of the pandemic and the borders being closed my mom not being able to enter and me not being able to leave. Um, I was waiting for my green card process at the time, which meant that if I would leave the country, I wouldn't be able to come back in. So I think that just felt extremely hard. Uh, and I tried to stay very positive and I would try to focus on the things that I do have. And I would focus on the fact that I have a supportive husband and that we can connect over FaceTime and the fact that I'm able to slow down and, you know, but it came to a point where I had pulled all the positivity cards and I like that bucket was, was empty. Like there was not more, I, I couldn't find more positivity to add into the mix. And I just needed to grieve for a moment and to feel the, um, the pain that this pandemic is causing, even on someone like myself who is you know privileged enough today to have a job that can be done remote and who 
can provide food on the table and, and whatnot. But just because I have my basic needs met doesn't mean that I am not also entitled to to feel the hardship of my own life sometimes. So I think I had to allow myself to to feel the pain that was real for me at the time. Um, and with going through pregnancy and thinking about giving birth without the support of my mom was a big sort of a big loss because I had always envisioned myself going through this journey with the support of my mom. But I am actually really, really lucky that she made it here now. Um, so she she wasn't able to be here for the first, for the birth or for the first weeks of Alma's life, but she came in January and um, has been spending a couple of months here, which has been a true blessing. What was that reunion like? It must have been... Uh, I wish I would have recorded it because it was so special. My My mom came in and... You know, she didn't want to hug us immediately because of, you know, she had just been on a plane and she wanted to self-isolate. Um, so she like was standing with like full on masks and like six feet apart and just fell down on her knees in like a prayer position um, as I was holding the baby. And, and she started crying and was just saying to Alma that she's here and, and she was thanking the Lord for making it possible. It was just very... My mom is very spiritual too, and um, I, I think she had really been praying a lot for that moment to to come true. Yeah, so that was very emotional. I'm like getting teary thinking about that. Um, <laughs> you know, I think throughout the pandemic, we've all been feeling our attention being pulled in a million directions and not feeling like we have enough to give to everything that needs our attention. And I feel like your attention, even before the pandemic, was being pulled in all these different directions. And I can only imagine it's more so now. And for me personally, vacations were always a chance to escape that and really prioritize myself and reconnect with what I wanted and what I wanted to be spending my attention on. You know, obviously that's not as much of an option these days, but I would love to know how you're finding time, um, the time that you deserve to focus on you and get kind of that reset that you would get from travel in the past. Yeah, the, the lack of travel has actually been um, hard from that perspective because I was talking to my husband about it, how we're the kind of workaholics who only really take time off when there is like a trip involved. It's hard for us to just take time off to be in our home. And it's weird because we should. Like we, why wouldn't you be able to vacation in your own, in your own home? But it sort of just never happens because it never feels like it's the right timing. And it's the kind of thing that's easy to push to like, oh, maybe I do it another week. Whereas if you have a trip planned, there is a plane involved and a hotel booking and you sort of like got to make it work. During my pregnancy, I had a few moments of like, oh, I'm just grateful, grateful, grateful. Everything is great. And then I would have a few breaking points where the final straw would be something. And um, not being able to go on a baby moon was one of those. Um, I had always envisioned that, you know, the first trimester is hard, you're nauseous, whatever. And then the second trimester, you're like the 2.0 version of yourself. And that's when I wanted to go on a baby moon with my husband. I wanted to go to Mexico and just, you know, soak it all in that we're becoming parents. And it was something that I had visualized in my mind since like years back. I would see these young parents with either a newborn or like highly pregnant be on these beach vacations and be like, oh, I want that one day. 
So obviously that did not happen. <laughs> and I, I think I might have cried a little bit <laughs> and felt a little deprived of that. Um, but what we did instead was that we decided to just start living the best version of our lives that we could in our own home. Um, and we bought an upstate house and um, we spent the summer weekends here, even though the house was empty and it was definitely not livable, but we'll still come here and just be on the backyard and like enjoy the pool um, and then drive back into the city um, for the work week. And, and that was, you know, brought us a lot of joy. And for the summer, we also rented a house in, in Shelter Island and um, hosted uh, a couple of friends who all felt deprived of like vacation. Um, and honestly, Shelter Island, I think, was a savior for me because it really felt like a vacation. We had the beach and it was such a warm summer and... Yeah, I think after that experience, I was like, wow, we should be better about exploring vacation opportunities locally. Also, given my commitment towards sustainability, I don't want to be flying every time I need a break, you know? So I, I thought that was very exciting, actually. Well, then it's funny to think that, you know, I'm sure before you were living in the States, when you were in Sweden, you would have been like, wow, Shelter Island, like incredible, like so far away. And like now it's like a few hours away. It's like, but where else could I go? It's sort of, it's a good reminder that there's amazing stuff around us here and ar around so many places in the, in the US. I know that I've been finding a lot of inspiration, not even just for future trips, but in like bringing joyful practices into my life from a lot of Instagrams that I follow, yours being one of them. And I would love to just know as our last question, if there are any women on social media that have really inspired you or kept you going in big or small ways throughout this pandemic time. Yeah. So one of my best friends also just had a baby Um, her name is Hannah Stefansson. She's based in Copenhagen and her Instagram is just at Hannah Stefansson. And her account always inspires me because she's the best at just capturing everyday joys from buying herself a croissant and a coffee and, you know, setting the table really nicely to enjoy that one croissant or buying fresh flowers or just taking a walk and really putting on a fun outfit just because like she's so good at living life at its fullest without it needing to be a big event or a, a big spending thing, you know, um, and it's been really inspiring to follow her do that into motherhood. She, yeah, she, she really inspires me. Well, if people want to follow you on social media, Baba, where can they find you? I would say Instagram is the best. Um, I'm just at Baba, B-A-B-B-A. -B -B -A. Perfect. And where can they get Ceremonia? On Ceremonia.com. Perfect. I'm at Oh Hey There Mare. I'm at Lale Hanna. Be sure to follow Women Who Travel on Instagram, subscribe to our newsletter, and join our Facebook group. And also a reminder that you can send trip ideas for your first big trip back out there to womenwhotravel at cntraveler.com. It's a voice memo with your name, where you are, and where you want to go. And you might hear yourself on an upcoming episode, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.